Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it, Chris. There's a button. You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. No tricks, no quiz. So how y'all doing, all right? How much can you get for this? Come on, you know better than that. How y'all doing, all right? This is a hundred dollar radio. It's not a hundred Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. The car is just been in suicide. I have an idea now. I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Show the man your power, big. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Very auspicious beginning. Sure, the talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. Hey, Nice to see you. Have a nice day. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? They said when you got here, the whole thing started. Who are you? What are you? Where did you come from? I think you're the cause of all this. 
I think you're evil! Evil! Hi, I was wondering if this was the same Chris T who does um, the radio show. Because um, if it is, I think your show is really great. Um, but if it isn't, um, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Hello, this is Eartha Kitt. Cats have nine lives. Wow. But unfortunately, you have only one. So buckle your seatbelt for safety. Yeah, please. Buckle up. It's going to be a rough ride. I'm just telling you right now, this is going to be a tough show. Aerial view on the houndnyc.com, where every Sunday you can hear a hound howl at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Mark and Miriam with Crash and the Party at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, on this particular Sunday, a very special Crash and the Party as uh, Mark and Miriam were given exclusive access to a box of doo-wop 45s that once belonged to Lou Reed. None other than Lou Reed in advance of this exhibition that's opening at the uh, New York Public Library Performing Arts Branch up there in Lincoln Center. They have got a whole bunch of Lou Reed artifacts that they're going to be putting on display any day now. And if you uh, go to NortonRecords.com, you should be able to find out more. Or CrashInThePartyCo CrashInThePartyCo is the other place you can go to get all the information on this very special edition of Crash in the Party happening again Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Right after a new hound howl. New to you. So if you've ever wanted to know what the hell was in Lou Reed's teenage record box, this is your chance in advance of Caught Between the Twisted Stars at the uh, New York Library of Performing Arts at Lincoln Center. That mother's opening any day now. And like I said, Mark and Miriam got exclusive access. They're going to play those records for you. So check that out on Sunday. This is Aerial View, the shot by both sides edition of Aerial View. And later on in the program, going to have a special guest all the way from America's Toque, Canada. I'll be joined by Canadian gun rights activist and f- former leader of the Nova Scotia Green Party, straight out of Halifax, with all the facts, John Percy will be my guest here on the program. But until then, we got open phones here at 760-422-5528. 760-ICALL-AV is where you can reach this program. The topic tonight is guns because it's America. And I'd love to know if you ever owned a gun, if you own guns now, if you feel guns are absolutely necessary to your life If there's anything we can do about uh, one mass murder after another in this country. If you missed the news somehow, Tuesday there was another mass murder uh, with an AR-15 or an AR-15 analog, something that's very close to a 
AR-15 semi-automatic weapon. Uh, some miscreant managed to get into an elementary school in uh, Uvalde, Texas. The Rob Elementary School and murder 19 children and two adults. 18-year-old also died uh, when he was shot by responding Border Patrol agents. Now, the news that keeps coming out, there was a news conference today. Stephen C. McCraw, the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, gave what is being called the most detailed account of the shooting yet. Quote, diverging in substantial points from the original timeline given by officials, unquote. The more news that comes out about what exactly went down on Tuesday around 1130 a.m., the more disturbing it is. It sounds like at every point of the way, the law enforcement that showed up bungled the whole thing. There are parents, grieving parents, saying now that inaction likely led to more death than otherwise would have occurred. For instance, the shooter was outside the school for 12 minutes firing off rounds before he entered an unlocked school. This is a school district that doubled its security budget last year and a police department in that town that gets 40% of the town's budget, apparently. So uh, it's going to end up being, it already is, I should say, a horrific scandal. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name of that town yet because I don't watch TV news any longer. So I don't, I haven't heard it pronounced. I've just read it. So forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. Meanwhile, in Houston, the National Rifle Association is having their annual convention. Uh, Began today. They have banned guns from their convention, ironically enough. So, uh, as always, the National Rifle Association, a massive lobbying concern, gave more money in... 2016 to Donald Trump's campaign then the RNC itself he uh, he's their guy he's going to be speaking at this convention even though a number of other speakers have dropped out uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas backed out he's making another trip to that grieving town he's got blood on his hands of course because he loosened a lot of uh, Texas gun regulations in the last few years probably made it especially easy for this kid just after his 18th birthday to uh, go and buy a couple of these AR-15-like guns. Uh, There were 78 minutes that elapsed before the police confronted the gunman, by the way. 78 minutes. It's it's just mind-boggling how they didn't they they didn't try, because the training apparently is just get the shooter just take the shooter out take the shooter out is the directive when you show up at the scene find the shooter take the shooter out why that didn't happen i don't know but i think there's a lot of cops that don't really know what the job entails danger it's supposed to be a dangerous job 
and and again and again over the last you name it decade whatever you want to call it you see instances of of police who just don't want to deal with the danger of the job they shoot first ask questions later they think they see guns when there aren't guns they think there's a threat when there isn't a threat they're just scared out of their goddamn mind something is scaring them all to hell it's either happening at the training stage or somewhere else but we we need to figure out why these motherfuckers are so scared they're there supposedly to protect us to keep us safe and it seems to me they're more concerned about keeping themselves safe above all else now admittedly this is a heated topic for me a school shooting my wife uh, sweet tea is a teacher on the cusp of retirement has had to go through active shooter and shelter in place drills I, I don't know if you have to do those in your workplace it's scary as hell and we put a lot of faith in the fact that New Jersey makes it difficult to arm yourself to the teeth like so many other places in this country and maybe that faith is misplaced. Who knows? The number here again is 760-422-5528-760. I call AV if you want to call in the few minutes we have before we welcome our guest, John Percy, from the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. He will tell us about the difference in approach between Canada and America when it comes to personal gun ownership. He's also the former head of the Green Party from Nova Scotia and is currently in Halifax. 760 I call AV 760-422-5528. That number's in Palm Springs. I am not. Uh, two months ago, the Uvalde School District hosted an active shooter training for officers using instructional materials that say the priority for responding officers is to stop the killing by confronting the attacker. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I was saying earlier, Governor Greg Abbott has checked out of the NRA convention, not going. Also, the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, has uh, decided to drop out. Uh, entertainer and proud Canadian Don McLean. Also dropped out, was going to get up there and sing American Pie for the millionth fucking time. Uh, Lee Greenwood of God Bless the USA fame also dropped out while reaffirming his belief in uh, your God-given right to own weapons. A couple of other country singers dropped out, but I never heard of them, and who gives a fuck, frankly. Uh, you know who didn't drop out? Former President Donald Trump. He is expected to get up and make it clear that uh, guns, guns, guns is where it's at. He's going to blame, this is according to Michael Bender at the New York Times, quote, a troubled American culture in which mental health is declining, school discipline is lacking, and the traditional nuclear family is receding. So that's where he's going to place the blame. Here's the problem with that, from what I see. Other countries around the world, including, quote-unquote, first world countries, advanced 
uh, countries like ours, market-based countries like ours, have all of those things. They have a, a troubled culture in which mental health is declining. They have lacking school discipline and traditional nuclear families, nuclear families that are receding, nuclear, nuclear families that are receding. And guess what they don't have? See if you can guess what they don't have. See if you know what they don't have. Can you guess what they don't have? That's right. Guns. They don't have more guns than people. As we have here. So what? Roughly 330, 340 million Americans? There's more guns than that. We're awash in them. And it's baked in. It's baked into the nature of this country that 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 guns is where it's at. Got to have a gun. Give me a gun. I need a gun. I want a gun. And uh, people who are into guns have usually more than one gun. Because what if your gun jams or something? I don't know. Then where are you at? Supreme Court, by the way, is set to uh, hear this case brought by a couple of, quote, upstate New York men, probably from Saugerties which uh, translates from the Native American as the place where we all gave up. They are uh, suing either New York State or New York City, one of those two, over its very restrictive carry policy. To get a handgun and be able to carry it on your person in New York City and maybe even New York State, I don't know, is difficult. You have to have a real valid reason, like you're carrying around huge amounts of cash with you and you don't want to be robbed and killed or some other reason you were the victim of a crime previously who knows i've never tried to apply to carry a gun around i've never wanted to own a gun when i was on trucking radio at sirius xm for a dozen years the road dog channel talking to truck drivers a lot of whom are armed they like their guns uh, they hated the fact that they couldn't travel from state to state with a weapon because we have this crazy patch quilt approach to the whole idea of uh, being armed. And for a driver who's going from coast to coast, it's insane. And you're more likely to get yourself in trouble by bringing a weapon with you. And as they will tell you, better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. That old one. You know that old one. So these these two upstate men, probably from Socrates, are suing either the city or the state, saying, I should be able to carry a gun for every any reason whatsoever. Why do I have to prove to you? I'm just afraid. I want to protect myself. Personal safety, personal safety. And so uh, look for that thing to be gutted any moment now. I mean, this is what kills me. What kills me is... You got all these people talking about states' rights, states' rights, states' rights. The state should be able to decide. The state should be able to decide what goes on when it comes to women's bodies, when it comes to, I'm sorry, people's bodies. But what about who gets to carry a deadly weapon around? What about that? Why do the state, does the state get to decide on one hand, but it doesn't on the other? Let's let's leave that up to the states. What, uh... What, 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 who in, 
who can get an abortion, who can't get an abortion. Let's leave that up to the state. But you know what? Guns, we're going to decide that thing. I got to get Ken Katkin back on the program. Maybe he'll explain to me what the hell that's all about. Or maybe our guest, uh, John Percy, who is joining us in a mere uh, six or so minutes from Halifax, will have a better idea what the hell that's all about. This is Aerial View on the Hound, NYC.com. Chris T., I am your host, and uh, the phones are open for a few more minutes until we bring John in here at 760-422-5528. I said. What what are you making me repeat it for? 760-422-5528 is the number here. We have a very wicked uh, storm passing through the area in case you lose me. That's why. Big old uh, thunderstorm moving through our area in case this whole thing suddenly ends. That's the reason why. So uh, let's see. We got an incoming call here. See if we could take it. Hello, incoming caller. Hey there, caller. Can you hear me, caller? Hello, caller. How does that happen? I don't know. But uh, I'm going to try to call the caller back. This is what we got to do all the time. Hmm. Never mind. Maybe he wasn't calling. Maybe that was from the last time we did a show here. All right. Screw you. I've now closed the phones. The phones are closed. Let's uh, stand by for John Percy from Halifax. The Only the second Canadian that I know of that's been on this program. I mean, the new iteration of this program on thehoundnyc.com is what I mean. I've had Canadians on in the past, but uh, not on this particular version of Aerial View. So here's the latest news before we welcome John, see if any there's been any updates, because there's constantly updates with this story. And uh, as I was saying a moment ago, the uh, police have said it was the wrong decision. So they uh, there was apparently a very contentious and tense and emotional news conference today. Stephen C. McCraw, director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, saying essentially... Uh, Quote, from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course, it was not the right decision. Unquote. Quote, it was the wrong decision, period. There's a story out there. It's reported by the New York Post. I don't know if it's true or not. But stumbled across a story about a parent who heard about what was happening at Robb Elementary School, drove 40 minutes to get there, went into the school, managed to get her child out of the school, And all of that happened before the police went in and confronted the shooter. Again, 78 minutes. Why? Why did it take 78 minutes? If this guy was outside of an elementary school, shooting off rounds for 12 minutes, in that 12 minutes, couldn't the cops have engaged him and taken him down? I hope to hell these uh, parents... 
and the loved ones of those who perished. By the way, the teacher that was murdered, her husband had a heart attack and died. Uh, something they call broken heart syndrome. He had come back from her gravesite, apparently, or visiting her in the hospital, brain dead, and dropped dead, 50 years old, leaving four kids without any parents. This uh, disaster keeps spreading, but I hope the hell all these people sue that town out of existence, sue that town to the point where it has to change its name or incorporate, be absorbed by some other town. I don't know. They obviously fucked up and bad. And that's why I I look, I have uh, people I know and love in Texas. Uh, I've got friends in Texas. Uh, My sister-in-law's in in Texas. Uh, Nephew-in-law, if that's a thing, is in Texas. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I used to go to Texas every year, every August, they would send us down to Dallas to do the Great American Trucking Show, the second largest trucking show in the United States every year. I don't even know if they do this show anymore. It was called Gats. I mean, how's that for irony? And I remember being at the last Dallas truck show, which would have had been 2017 because I we didn't go in 2018 because SiriusXM shit-canned me in April of uh, 2018. And the show is in August, as I mentioned. So didn't make it, but probably 2017. And there were dudes walking in there, and they weren't law enforcement, but they were strapped. They had the holster. They had the gun belt. They thought they were in a John Wayne film. The whole damn thing. And I'll never forget the sight of that. And I'll, I'll never forget thinking, like, what if these are people who don't like our show or, or me? Because they would call us libtards on the air after Donald Trump got elected. It was a regular thing. Let's see if we can get John Percy here with us. John, welcome to Aerial View. Thank you for joining me. How are things in Halifax? John... Let's see if uh, we can hear you now. John Percy, welcome to the program. All right. We're going to do this. Let's do this. Let's try that. Let's try this. This is how you know this shit is live. Maybe he hasn't uh, joined us yet. Who knows? John, if you can hear me. Say hello. John, you there? John? I just I just heard you. I think he's there. Maybe he can't hear me. John, can you hear us? Hello, Chris. Hey, there he is. You've been messing me with this the messing with me this whole time, right? You you heard everything I said. You just don't let him squirm. Right? John? John, what are you doing over there? Hey, John? John Percy, everybody, from Halifax, who is uh, part of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, former head of the Green Party from Nova Scotia, and apparently keeps... I can hear him. I can hear his mouse clicking. 
He can't hear me. How's that for fantastic? Hey, John. John, can you hear us? John? John, can you hear me? Hello, John. John, you there? He keeps clicking. This is great. This is the greatest aerial view ever. I can hear him going click, 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 click. click. He keeps clicking. This is great. Yeah. Now, this is the now greatest I'm getting aerial. W. Now it got better. Now I'm getting double audio. Click, 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 click. He keeps clicking. This is great. All right. Yeah. Now, this is the now we got triple audio. Now it got better. Now I'm getting double audio. Oh, man. Click. Now I want to sing some Led Zeppelin. Put the echo back on for a minute, John. I'm here. Are you? We down inside. Oh, you turned off the echo. God damn it. John, you still there? Hello, hello, hello. John, are you one of those Canadians who were bad at technology? Is that what happened just now? <laughs> Holy shit. John, we tested this earlier. What was the point of that test earlier? Hello, hello. Yes, hello. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, yeah, I'm I'm here. I don't know what you did over there, John, but it, hello, we, hello, we hello. spoke for a solid 10 minutes earlier. And Who's working before? Hey, 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 John. Hey, hey, I'm here. What the fuck was that all about? I don't know. All right. But we're Not, good. All right. We wasted a solid five minutes, so that's good. That's uh, pretty good. Let me reintroduce you. I'm not editing this show for the podcast, by the way. Fuck that. Oh, okay. The, the people with the podcast, they're going to get the whole thing. The okay. whole enchilada. Sneezes, uh, coughs, everything. The yep. whole thing. So uh, John Percy, uh, who was introduced to me by our common friend, Canadian Dave, as I like to call him, up there in Toronto, is a member of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, the CCFR. I loved uh, your first few albums, by the way, the CCFR. Oh, thanks. They were yeah, they were I, great. Green River, all that stuff, fantastic. Later on, eh. Uh, former head of the Green Party from Nova Scotia, currently residing in Halifax. That's How me. the hell are things in Halifax? Uh, a little gray. It's going to rain, but uh, we get by. We get by. Waiting is, for hurricane season. You know. Is that the part of the world you've always been in, or did you uh, move to Halifax? I moved here 25 years ago from Toronto uh, when I realized I'd never be able to afford to buy a house there. Even 25 years ago, you couldn't afford a house in Toronto? No, not not a chance. What was the difference in price between houses in Toronto and houses in Halifax? Um, back then or now? Uh, your choice. Oh, okay. Well, back then, uh, the small 1,200-square-foot semi-detached with a shared driveway and no backyard it was going at that time 25 years ago for about three hundred thousand dollars uh i came to halifax and i ended up with an acre and a half uh of land uh on a lake um with uh, three bedrooms finished basement and a triple garage and i paid uh, 105,000. Yeah, but what is there to do in Halifax? I mean, I used to hear this from oh truck gosh. drivers all the time. They'd say, hey, I got a spread that you wouldn't believe, and it's in bumfuck. 
And I'd be like, well, what is there to do in Bumpfuck? I mean, do they roll the streets up at 10 p.m.? Or, I mean, Halifax is, what size city is Halifax? Halifax, we're about 400,000 right now. Oh, that's a pretty decent sized city, right? Oh, yeah. And when the NATO fleet's in the harbor, um, it jumps to about a million. Um, Halifax has a distinction of having more bars per capita than anywhere else in North America. Geez, I've heard that about most places you can imagine. I mean, the <laughs> town I grew up in supposedly had more bars than any town in the country. I, I, I still don't know if mm-hmm. that's true. But uh, so why is that? Was there a big manufacturing thing that went on in Halifax and the workmen would have to stop in at 7 a.m. and get their boiler maker? What was the reason for all the bars? No, no, it's a port. Uh, there's oh, it's sailors a port here. town. Yeah, sailors. Yeah. You know how Where's they like the- their drink. Yeah, and we've got uh, three military bases and two air bases here. Uh, so we are pretty much locked into that uh, that culture. Uh, and as I said, when the NATO fleet's in town, because we have the largest uh, natural harbor in the world. Uh, is, it a, for, is it a deep water harbor too? Oh, yeah, it's a deep water harbor. Holy um, moly. You know, the wife can, and I talk about going to Nova Scotia all the time. We want to go see... Oh. Nova Scotia, and oh, yeah. uh, we want to get the we want to get the locks right from where it comes from. Uh, we we uh, we like Canada. We, uh, her favorite cousin and mine is up there in Kingston. So oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but let's lay all that aside because next sure. time I have you on, you're going to give us the whole Nova Scotia travelogue. Let's talk sure. about the difference between Canadians <clears throat> and Americans when it comes to owning personal weaponry okay um first of all in canada we have a national firearms act it uh it it works all the way across the country it's the same regulations across the country one act um in the united states as you were discussing earlier about states rights regulations fall within the purview of of the state legislatures so you have 50 different laws and that makes it really difficult to change your laws. Oh, and, not only uh, that, you have more than that because you can have the city, like New York City, have much more restrictive rules sure. about guns than New York State. Sure. And Chicago had a handgun ban, but their 15-minute drive from Gary, Indiana, where you can buy an anti-tank rifle if you've got the cash. I spent, so, a, I spent a week in Gary, Indiana one day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, except for the Jackson 5, I'm not sure whatever came out of Gary, Indiana, myself. But I'm not so sure about that either. But, uh, but, but, uh, but across the provinces, because that's what they call mm-hmm. them up there, kids, their provinces. Yeah. Across the provinces, there is a holistic approach to personal gun ownership in Canada. That's right. Same law. Doesn't matter where you live. What is the law? Well, they're actually pretty restrictive here. Uh, we don't have a right to own firearms. As we don't have a constitutional right to own firearms. It's a privilege. And you uh, have to uh, take a course. Uh, it's a two-day course, all day. And uh, you have to pass with, I believe, 80%. Uh, and then you send your test results to the RCMP's Canadian Firearms Centre. And they, uh, along with an application, um, uh, passport photo, two strong references. And if you're uh, married or in a relationship, the permission of your spouse. Uh, and 
they uh, receive your letter and they put it in the pile and they don't open it for 28 days. Hmm. After 28 days, they open your uh, application. They look at your test results and they call your references and they speak to your spouse. They, they do a background check on you. Uh, and they will also do a mental health uh, check on you to see if you've ever been involved in a... Uh, but what if you uh, have to murder somebody right away? Then what do you do? Uh, use a knife. Oh, um, okay, yeah. <laughs> go ah, to your kitchen. Geez, go to your kitchen. That's very up close and personal. By the yeah. way, uh, eventually, does Dudley Do-Right and Nell show up on horseback and hand you your uh, certificate? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much like that, uh, as you des- as you described. Um, yeah, that's most Americans' a, conception of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, uh, we have a very different conception of it up here. Um, but it, the, your licensing could take up to uh, six or seven months before you get a license to actually go out and buy a firearm. And then, if you want to actually buy one, uh, you can't just hand the guy over the counter some cash and he hands you a handgun. Uh, that has to, again, that uh, has to be registered with the Canadian Firearms Centre and paperwork has to be sent off and you could wait a week, 10 days before you get to go back to the gun store and pick up your, your firearm. So if you're in a hurry, yeah, I suggest, you know, knives. Yeah, just drive across bats. the border, go to the States, pick one up, well, come back. And and unfortunately, this is what happens. I don't know if you know much about Nova Scotia recently, but uh, almost exactly two years ago, we had a fellow here in Halifax who did just that, drove across to Maine and uh, bought some guns illegally, brought them over, uh, took them home, and uh, he... Uh, had a perfect replica of an RCMP car, complete with the decals and the numbers and the and the, the, the uh, front bar and the whole thing. And he had an RCMP uniform. And he drove around rural Nova Scotia and he shot and killed 22 people. There was uh, somebody, Staff Sergeant Bruce Byers, who just the other day talked about his regret. He struggled mm-hmm. for two years about what happened during that uh, rampage, mm-hmm. um, two mentions of the killer's fake police car, as mm-hmm. well. I mean, this guy. I mean, what a what a plot. What a what a twisted plot. Um, and the thing is, the RCMP and local police knew this guy had a car, and they had several over the past ten years. They had several complaints from from neighbors and residents that this guy had illegal guns. They did nothing. They did nothing. I hate this. Did you know there's I- an invest? There's an investigation going on right now. The RCMP are uh, claiming that they're so traumatized by this incident that they don't want to be cross-examined by the lawyers for the victims' families, and they're giving their testimony uh, in a, in recordings to be played later so that the lawyers can't cross-examine them. John John this, Percy is our guest, and I just want to. Yeah. Say I, I wasn't aware of this, so pardon my flippant tone earlier when I said just go across the border. But that's what this guy did, right? I mean, how that's did, what this guy did. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, it's horrific. And and there's a photo of his replica RCMP Ford Taurus Cruiser. It's mm-hmm. very convincing. I mean, oh, yeah. the only thing that tipped off the RCMP apparently is. 
there were only four police vehicles up there that had push bars on them. Yeah. So the idea that this guy had the push bars sort of tipped them off. Um, how long was he driving around doing this, by the way? Two days. Two, two days. days. Two days. Two days. It's amazing. Yep. Did you know any of these people who lost their lives? I know people who knew people. I knew uh, the RCMP officer who was shot and killed, Heidi Stevenson. Uh, and uh, the uh, killer was shot and killed uh, just north of where I live. And it, um, it appears to me the victims ranged in age, uh, oh, yeah. you know, they were young random. kids to older people. It was totally at random. Did, did they find any explanation for any of this? Was You know, down here in the States, we always like to think that people are mentally ill. And I'm constantly making the point that if you're covering your tracks, if you're looking for a way to get away with what you did, uh, there's no way you're going to get away with an insanity plea, for instance, and we label a lot of things that are ment- mental illness that aren't mental illness. First of all, the majority of mentally ill people aren't violent. So what? No, exactly. So You're what? Exactly right. What was this all about? <sighs> Nobody really knows. They yeah. they really really don't know. Uh, yeah. And of course, now that he's he's dead, of course, uh, we're never going to find out. But the the the. The thing here is um, we, we want these people to be mentally ill because it gives us an idea of, uh, it gives us a, a reason for them doing this. This assumption of insanity is, is a way for us to explain the horrific crime that has been committed, uh, especially when he is someone who didn't seem like he should be a criminal. He was a nice guy, but, you know, uh, he was so quiet. You know, it's right. it's much harder to consider someone in full control of their faculties could do something so freaking hideous. Well, so we, directly re- we after- reach for this diagnosis of mental illness because it offers a solution. Well, we they- want to see terrorists as crazy because to see them as rational actors makes them even more of a threat. And we well, want yeah, them we to don't want to. The other thing we do is we we label things evil when they're mm-hmm. on a continuum of human behavior. Of course, they're at an extreme mm-hmm. end of human behavior, and it's almost like we don't want to learn from any of this stuff. We we don't want to no, learn no. what happened and how somebody ended up like that eighteen year old in Texas ended up mm-hmm. shooting up a school and and, and how what brought that person to that point where they thought that was the thing to do. I mean, I, I don't know why we shy away from this stuff if it's going to help us prevent it from happening again. I mean, isn't that the idea is to try to figure out a way. And it's really sad to me to hear you talk about what happened in Halifax because Mm -hmm. the guns came from the United States. And and that was the point of wanting to talk to you is to say, what is, what are Canadians? Because Canadians didn't, violently overthrow their oppressor, namely King George, right? Canadians were cool with the monarchy. They're still cool with the monarchy. They they don't they want to be independent. They got their independence long ago. But correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of Canadians still love the Queen, don't they? Oh sure. Right. You know, they still love the Queen, but the one of the reasons they love the Queen so much is that she's she has absolutely no bearing on the day-to-day activities of this country. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she's a figurehead and it's it's nice to think of the Queen. Right. Uh, and if no. any of the royalty land in Canada, they're treated like royalty, right? They're treated like sure. well, we're gonna treat you like royalty because you're royalty. But uh it, it's interesting to me to to know that um 
down here, it's almost like a God-given right or your birthright to have weapons. Have you delved into America and this myth of the cowboy and the armed cowboy and one mm-hmm. good guy with a gun and all that bullshit? Because down in Texas, we just learned on Tuesday, you could have a whole bunch of good guys with a, with guns that doesn't mean anything. It didn't stop the bad guy with the gun. No, it should have if they had actually done something. Uh, they seem more interested in crowd control than in actually going into the school and taking this guy out. Uh, uh, yeah, th- so far those police remind me of those um, cops, Toronto cops on Kids in the Hall. You know, Bruce McCullough yeah. and yeah. <laughs> uh, was it Michael McKean? I No, not Michael McKean. Who's the other guy? I uh, Don't ask me. Scott something. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, oh, Scott Thompson. Scott, Scott's, Scott's hilarious. Uh, I, I know Scott. Yeah. yeah. Scott's hilarious. Oh, I've met all the kids uh, in the hall. It was a thrill of a yeah. lifetime. I've interviewed Wasn't him. Wasn't it, though? Oh, oh yeah. a thrill of a lifetime. But, you know, they're, 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 the point of those sketches is these are just very incompetent police and it's going to turn out that these were incompetent police isn't they're, it they're like mall cops yeah 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 they're like mall cops it, it it's really really sad uh to to see that level of uh, of policing uh, and we've, ki- we're running into it here now too and it, it it's it's very very sad john uh, do, do, let's do, talk just a bit about what you brought up about uh, about the the cowboy culture in the united states because that is a complete myth, um, and it's a it's a media construct. It was the whole thing was created by the media. Uh, most cowboys, uh, for those of you who don't know, were were either black or Mexican because white people felt that was beneath them. It was not a kind of job you you wanted to do. It was dirty, it was smelly, and you lived outside and blah blah, and you didn't make an an awful lot of money. Uh, and most cowboys couldn't afford a sidearm because, you know, when the Colt single action came out in 1873, that was $18. And cowboys didn't make $18 in a month. That was more than they earned. So they, and it's, it was a tool that wasn't necessary for the things that they did. They very likely had a rifle. And more often than not, that was a single shot, either, uh, you know, an old Spencer rifle or uh, a Springfield trapdoor or something, single shot rifle. But they didn't have sidearms because they didn't need them for their job. And they would keep falling out and going off and sh- shooting their toes off and the like. And most people just didn't. Actually, most people didn't carry firearms in the Wild West. Uh, any town you went into, you had to turn your guns into the uh, sheriff's office on your way in and pick them up on the way out. Uh, there weren't gunfighters in the streets, you know, uh, pacing themselves off and drawing and firing. That never happened. That pe- People like that just didn't exist. How that all came to be was in uh, dime store novelists coming from the East who wanted to get some salacious stories, and they started talking to guys who would tell them anything they wanted to hear. And they wrote these crazy, crazy books about all this stuff that was going on. And that got picked up when movies came around in the beginning of the 20th century. And the whole cowboy culture was born from that. The media created 
this culture. And they propagate it too. Um, I mean, just turn on Netflix and just look at the descriptions of 95% of the movies that they have. They're all about um, hitmen and assassins and spies and good cops and bad cops. And, you know, and, and if you count the number of people who die on Netflix from gunshot wounds in, in a single evening, it numbers in the tens of thousands. But the thing is, America, the United States is still one of the safest places to be because something like 90% of all the homicides take place in only five counties in the United States. There are, there are sections of the United States that haven't seen a homicide in decades. Just list them and I'll stay out of those counties. <laughs> um, uh, Orange County, um, Cook County, uh, Miami-Dade, uh, Washington, D.C., and Baltimore. Oh, wow. Let me see. Out of those, I've been, I've been to Orange County, been to Miami-Dade, yep. been yep. to Chicago. Yep. I have been to Washington, D.C., and I've been to Baltimore. It's a, it's a miracle I'm still alive. I'll put it yep. that way. Me too. I uh, lived in the States in the, in the late 60s, and uh, I lived in New York City. I lived in Harlem. Wow. Um, and that was the first time I was actually shot at. I, uh, I, was, in, uh, I was actually in the Canadian military in the reserves. Uh, never was shot at in the military, but when I got to New York City, uh, within a week, uh, I had uh, someone taking shots at me with... Uh, because you were Canadian, uh, oh, right? They just didn't want Canadians in there. Very likely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Uh, uh, and I said, I'm I'm sorry you missed. I'm really sorry. Sorry you missed. By the uh, way, if you want to see um, a really good crystallization of what uh, John was just talking about in the film Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood film, there's the Saul, mm-hmm. Saul Rubinek character who comes from the East yeah. to write pulp novels. and Tron- Good Toronto actor. Yeah, good yeah. Toronto actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the Zane Grey dime store novels are all yep. you know, the kind of thing that you're referring to. The other thing I thought mm-hmm. about was, uh, look, my favorite show, I don't want to call it a Western because it was really an Eastern, was Deadwood because Deadwood said mm-hmm. essentially, no, it wasn't about rugged individualism. It was about people working together to build something. That's really how the West got built. So the mythos is completely mistaken. Uh, sure. but, but in terms of yourself and gun ownership, what is the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights? Do you advocate for Canadians to have uh, easier access to personal firearms? Well, um, we basically advocate and lobby the federal government uh, because they're the only ones you can lobby for firearms rights because it's a, it's a national uh, legislation. Um, we lobby basically for them to just leave us alone. Uh, whenever something happens and it's usually in the states like in texas and in buffalo last week uh canadian politicians jerk their knees violently and say we have to do more we have to crack down on guns uh and they start enacting even more draconian laws against uh um, possession of of firearms uh even though things like that by and large for the most part, there are exceptions, but by and large, that just doesn't happen here, right? Uh, we have, a, I don't know, we have a very different view, I suppose, on uh, on on firearms and possession. I I have, I don't know, 
seven firearms here. Uh, but I, I'm a, uh, I'm a competitive target shooter. This is what I do. Uh, I'm with the uh, International Practical uh, uh, Shooters Federation, and uh, we do competitions. We do them across the country. We do them internationally. We, uh, you know, we compete with pistols. And uh, uh, so if you want to own a handgun in Canada, you must, after taking the courses and being vetted by the RCMP, you must belong to an RCMP-approved range. And you uh, have to keep up your range membership or you lose the right to possess your handguns. Uh, because the only legitimate reason for owning a handgun in Canada is target shooting. You cannot use it to defend which, yourself. Which was the origin of the NRA. The NRA was created in the late 1800s to help with mark, marksmanship. That's what it was, it was about. Yep. It was an offshoot of the uh, British uh, NRA, which was started six years before that. And uh, after the Civil War, the uh, American legislators and people said, we have to we have to do something like this as well because right at that point you were moving from smoothbore muskets to a single shot into repeating lever action firearms and the way you fought with those was changing with muskets you you line up in rows and you just fire volleys and anything in its path just goes down you know you you can uh, deforest an entire area by just, you know, mm. volleys of lead. But with lever action firearms and rifle barrels, accuracy was important, but these guys didn't know how to do that because with smoothbore muskets and, you know, a thousand people in a line all firing at the same time, it didn't matter if you actually were aiming at anything. Uh, but now it became important. So the, that's what the NRA was actually initially designed to do. And it worked really well up until the late 1970s. And then they all went completely insane. We have uh, John Percy with us from the Canadian Coalition for Farmers, Firearms Rights and former head of the Green Party from Nova Scotia, currently in Halifax. We have about two minutes left. The time went fast. And I will have you back, John. I appreciate it. But mm -hmm. in the two here's minutes, another, go ahead. Here's another interesting thing about Canadian firearms ownership. Once you have your license... You go through a police background check every 24 hours hmm. because you're in a you're in a database. That database is constantly running, and anytime your name is put into that database, if you've done if you've committed an infraction and you've gotten into a police report somewhere, it will pop a red flag. Wow! And hmm. you are you are checked every 24 hours. You go through a background check here. That's wild. Well, and and there's two and a half million of us here, licensed firearms owners. We own about 25 million firearms legally but all of the problems all of them and police will tell you this and city mayors will tell you this all of the problem is coming from illegally gun guns smuggled from the united states well listen i would agree with you on uh, most statements if you if you said it was the problem was the united states so uh, I appreciate but, your time. We're, we're pretty much out of road. We got about 30 seconds, John. I'm sorry about that. But that's okay. In that 30 seconds, could you encapsulate what you think are some common sense things that 
we can do down here to keep uh, semi-automatic weapons out of the hands of uh, people like the shooter in Texas? Boy, that is a, a massively uphill battle. First of all, you've, you've got to get politicians who actually want to do something about it um, and are, you know, not in somebody's pocket as far as uh, uh, doing nothing or... or so we're doomed. Uh, I hear you. Oh, boy. Well, I don't know. Rest easy in the, in the, in the notion that Unless you're in a gang and you're in one of those five counties, your chances of being shot are remarkably low. Remarkably low. You are in one of the safest countries in the world. So I don't need to go out with the vest every day. All right. Thanks, John. Absolutely not. All right, John, we're out of time. I want to say goodbye to uh, John Percy again from the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, CCFR, former head of the Green Party from Nova Scotia. This is Chris T. here on thehoundnyc.com saying... You could hear this show as a podcast wherever you get podcasts, and that is going to be shortly. It'll also replay here on Tuesdays. This is back to remind you to take your belongings with you and to get a receipt from the driver. Have a perfect day. We must have come.